I join with Nathan in welcoming you here this morning. And to all the fathers, I wish you a happy Father's Day. Uh, we're glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us on this Father's Day. If Nathan were given the lesson, he would give a wonderful Father's Day lesson. Um, I, on the other hand, don't do uh, holiday lessons very well, so I'm going to stay away from a holiday lesson. But, but here is my hope this morning. My hope this morning is not to teach you something new. My hope this morning is not necessarily to bring out some doctrine that you're unaware of in the Scriptures, but instead, my hope this morning is simply to encourage you. My hope this morning is to encourage you through God's Word. The reading of the morning was a reading about David, and I'm certain that if I asked you to tell me something about David, you would tell me something wonderful about David the king. In fact, I think one of the most popular Bible stories is the story of David and Goliath. Oftentimes we talk about David and how he brought down Goliath even when we're not talking about a religious subject. When we're talking just about bringing down something, about being strong. I wonder how many of us, if we were to really think about David's life, we might not look at something mighty that he had done, but in fact, we might have looked at one of his most terrible moments. A dark time where he saw Bathsheba. A dark time where David looked down and he lusted. And because of that, David became a murderer. I wonder if we ever look at the foundation of David's life. So I want to encourage you this morning that if you're going to go back any time during this week and you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to open the Bible this week. And this week, I'm not certain what I'm going to read. I'm going to ask you to read uh, 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. Because I think 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, truly is the story of the life of David. You see, David had lots of moments of strength. There were lots of times that Saul had gone after to take his life. In fact, there were times when his own sons had come to take his life. He was a man of strength, but I'm going to tell you, that's not the foundation of David the king's life. The foundation of David the king's life we can found in, find in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. And in fact, I want you to look first at these two verses. 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, just for a little background, Samuel is the prophet of God. And as the prophet of God, he's gone to King Saul and he said, Saul, here's the deal. You're not going to be king anymore. In fact, God is going to take the kingdom from you. And you may recall from the reading this morning, if you don't quite understand the story, here's what happened. The Lord tells Samuel, hey, what are you waiting for? It's time to go find a king. In fact, if you go back to First Samuel, the 13th chapter, you'll see that the Lord told Samuel, I'm going to find me a man who will be king that will be a man after my own heart. So very early on, Saul has been put on warning. And the Lord tells Samuel, hey, it's time to go find him. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go and you're going to make a sacrifice at Bethlehem and you're going to call unto you Jesse's son. And Samuel goes, oh, hold on. If I do that, Saul is going to kill me. In fact, Samuel was right. How do we know he was right? Because when he comes to Bethlehem, the people go, oh, I'm not sure we want the prophet of God here. Hang on. Hang on. Have you come in peace? Because, see, we know that if you come into Bethlehem, the king is going to be after you. And you know, if you go after the king, you better kill the king. <laughs> but the king hears after you, Samuel. Are you sure that you've come in peace? And Samuel says, I've come in peace. 
I brought a heifer to sacrifice. See, this is what they were going to do. There was going to be a sacrifice. Jesse was going to bring his sons before Samuel. The sacrifice of the heifer would have been performed. They would have anointed one of the sons, and then there was going to be a feast, and then there was going to be a party. This was going to be a big day in Bethlehem. So you know what Jesse does? They call for Jesse. They tell Jesse, hey, bring your sons. Samuel the prophet is here. We're going to have a sacrifice, which means we're going to have a feast, and then we're going to have a party. So the Bible tells us here in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, and I'm certain that I will call it Corinthians for some unknown reason all morning. But there's only one time I'm actually going to read from 1 Corinthians. That'll be at the end. So if any time before the end I say 1 Corinthians, translate that in your mind, 1 Samuel, because we're in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, tells us that Jesse gathers his seven oldest sons. He takes them there before Samuel, and here in the sixth verse it says, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab, that's Samuel looking on Eliab, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. How many lessons can we get from this verse alone? See, Jesse brings his oldest son, and I can only imagine what that's like. He brings his oldest son, and I'm sure his oldest son stood before Samuel with his chest puffed out. He really looked like a man. In fact, Samuel, the prophet of God, he was impressed. Samuel looks at Eliab, and he goes, certainly God has chosen you. But the important thing is what the Lord said, right? Because the Lord says to Samuel, nope, not that one. The Lord says, see, Samuel, here's the problem. You're looking at the man. You're looking at the height of his stature. You're looking at his outward appearance. But that's not how the Lord looks. The Lord looks on the heart. Is that an important lesson for us? I wonder what Eliab actually looked like. I wonder how big he was. Whatever it was, it impressed Samuel. However he looked, Samuel was certain the Lord had chosen this one. But the Lord had to warn Samuel and say, I don't want you to look at his outward appearance. I don't want you to look on his outward stature. Let me ask you this. Do times change much? Do they? I wonder if centuries later, when James was writing in the book of James, when he got there to the, what we know as the second chapter, if times change much at all. If you go back and look at James, the second chapter, James had to say, no, let me warn you. There's going to come in a rich man in goodly apparel with gold all over him. Don't bring him up to sit in the great seat. And when the poor man walks in the back, you say, yeah, you, you sit back there where, where nobody has to see you. Do times change? Let me ask you this. What do we look at today to choose someone? You know, I always harp to my kids to be careful when somebody says, well, he's a good man. Because I wonder how much time really changed. I mean, when you think about what we look for in any position, there's certain characteristics. We like things that look good. If we're looking at a leader, we like leaders that look big and look mighty. Why? Because man doesn't change all that much. But God said, you know, I realize that man looks on outward appearance. What is outward appearance? You know, in the story, we could look at that and we could say, well, obviously, it's how someone looks. We like beautiful. Man likes beautiful. 
You know, outward appearance really is much more than that, isn't it? Because money changes lots of looks, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Money can certainly change the way we look at something. And if it's not money that changes it, guess what? Maybe it's status. Maybe it's position. But you know what the Lord told Samuel? The Lord doesn't look at any of that. You ever thought of that? You know what the great equalizer in man is? Death. Because every single one of us will die in the same social class. Every single one of us will die with the exact same possessions we'll take with us, our soul. But God said this, don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart of man. Now, as we think about that in David's position, I want you to notice that the Bible says that the son that Samuel said, certainly this is the one. He was refused. So what happens? The Bible says Jesse took the second son and the third son and the fourth son and the fifth son down to the seventh, marched them in front of Samuel and said this, Nope, not you. Now I want you to notice, we get down to verse 11 and here's where I say the foundation of David's life is contained in this verse. If you ever want to know David... Go back to 1 Samuel 16, chapter and verse 11, because David was not defined, nor was his strength by his might. And he was not defined, nor was his legacy that of his failure. But instead, we learn about David right here in 1 Samuel 16, chapter and verse 11. It says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all of thy children? Are all of your children here? Have you brought all of your sons? Because I'm fairly certain about what the Lord told me. The Lord told me that I was to come to Bethlehem and that here at Bethlehem, I would pick from among your sons and I would find the one who would be anointed king over Israel. Are all of your sons here? Jesse said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said unto him, send and fetch him for we will not sit down till he comes hither. <laughs> you know what Jesse just said? Just, Jesse just said this. Well, I mean, the youngest is at home. I, I mean, I left the baby back at the house, but the baby is with the sheep. The baby is just a shepherd. But you know that comment there is the foundation of David's life. How do we know? I want you to think about what David was doing at this time. David, in obedience to his father, was out there in the field watching sheep. He was just a shepherd. When hour after hour and day after day, he would look out in the pasture and he would pick out a stone and he would take that stone with a sling and he would sling it as hard as he could. And while he was there in obedience to his father watching those sheep, he continued with that sling hundreds and hundreds of times over and no one saw how far he could sling a stone and no one saw how many times he had practiced slinging that stone and no one cared, because David was just a shepherd. I wonder how many hours out there in the field as he looked out at the green grass making sure that every single lamb was still there. I wonder how long it took David to get the courage to fight a lion and a bear with his bare hand. But you know, David's life in this one verse shows us that there was something much deeper about the baby of the family. You see, we know this. We know that at some point, David, as he was laying out there in that pasture, recognized 
his own humility. And as he sat there with his lyre or with his harp in the pasture, he wrote a little song that would become one of the greatest prayers in which he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we know that somewhere during that time, David was able to look up at the stars and say, All of this you have made, and you have named every single star. How wonderfully was I made. You ever thought about the term just or only? It's rather unfortunate that the term just or only has actually become a term of judgment that we use. Sometimes we look at somebody and say, ah, but they're just a kid. Sometimes we look at others and we say, ah, they're just not quite good enough. Their outward appearance doesn't appeal to me. You know, it's more sad about the word just and only is that oftentimes we use that in judgment of ourselves, right? What can I do? I'm just one person. What can I do? I'm only a lawyer. What can I do? I'm just a poor person. What am I? I'm just me. And you, you are only you. Be you to the glory of God. Now I want to show you, as we talk about David here, I want you to notice how the scriptures refer to David. I was for a long time confounded about this scripture, by the way. And in fact, I googled and, and uh, because for you younger people, Google is the search engine that us old folks often use. Okay, I googled David man after God's own heart. And there's lots of sites where people ask the question, was David really a man after God's own heart? Now I want you to look at Acts the 13th chapter and verse 21. In Acts the 13th chapter and verse 21, it says, And afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. Verse 22 says, And when he had removed him, that being God, removed Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. So if there be any question about whether or not David was a God after man's own heart, then the question has to be, is the scripture really true, right? So we have to start at the fact that we believe that the Bible is actually inspired and the Bible recalls David as the Lord saying, David is a man after my own heart. After death, we are but a memory here upon this earth. But let me tell you this. The Bible records David as a man after God's own heart. For all of you today, I hope that you understand the significance of that. If ever there was a memory of me, if ever there is a writing centuries down the line of me, I hope it says he was a man after God's own heart. Realistically, I'm not certain that I care if it says anything else at all, but I can tell you David in all of his might and David in all of his failures... God said, that's a man after my own heart. Verse 12 of 1 Samuel 16 says, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. David was just a shepherd. David was just a young, smelly, hard-working good-looking shepherd. That's all he was. He was just an ordinary 
person. And the Bible says the Lord chose David. Now you know two things looking at the screen. Now you know when I say 1 Corinthians, I'm actually referring to 1 Corinthians. And second, as I said earlier, I wouldn't say 1 Corinthians until I got to the end. So for those of you who are going, are we almost there? I'm getting hungry. We're close to almost there because you know I can stretch this verse a long time if I need to. But I won't. But I won't. You ever thought about what separates a child of God from everyone else? Wouldn't it be neat if we could go, okay, we're going to line everybody up, but we're going to put you in beauty order. The prettiest at the front, Franklin at the back with the not pretty. And we went, see, there's the prettiest right there. Those are children of God. Or what if we, what if we made it easy and we said, okay, here's what, what we want to do. All of you with advanced degrees, right? All of you with advanced degrees to the front, you're the educated ones. You're what we call the wise ones. We're going to put you at the front and everybody else down through grade, grade level finished, and we're going to call those wise ones down at that end, children of God. What if we did something that's much more easy and, and much more uh, telling, if you will, and we said this, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go by skin color, right? And we want to put all of you who are bleach white on this end, and as it gets darker, go to that end, children of God. Or what if we said this? What if we said, okay, here's what I want to do. You see, the Bible really looks and puts men in a position of power. So we're going to go from oldest man because the eldest is important, right? And we're going to go from oldest man down to youngest women. And we're going to look at that end and we're going to go, children of God. See, there are lots of things in life that we could look at and we could say, well, what makes somebody a child of God important? And you know what the only difference is? The blood of Christ. That's it. Just the blood of Christ. Not money, not education, not gender, not any of that. The only difference between the saved and the not saved is the blood of Christ. That's it. Not beauty, not stature, not any other outward thing we can see. Only the blood of Christ. And here's what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, for you see your calling. You get that? Paul said this, you see your calling. Brethren, how that not, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are you in Christ, who of God is made unto wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Paul said this, not many wise men after the flesh, not many n mighty, not many noble are called. What does that mean? You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to stand on my advanced degree, but alas, it's not good footing. I wish I had a lot of money to say, that I'd like to stand on all my money. But alas, it's not good footing. In fact, if you look back in Scripture, Moses was in the palace, but it wasn't until he was removed from the palace and became just a herdsman that he was chosen. You see, God uses ordinary people. God uses you just as you are. You can't be something you're not. So you be you to the glory of God. If you're not a child of God this morning, you have an opportunity to be obedient 
to his will, taking on yourself the blood of Christ, the only thing that saves. If there's anything in this world to be impressed about, it is the fact that Jesus Christ left heaven to become a man, to be born at Bethlehem, just another man, and give his life and shed his blood for you and I. If you're not a child of God and you want to be baptized this morning, or if you are a child of God and there's something that we can pray with you or pray for you to encourage you, we'd ask you to please come forward as we stand to sing the song that's been selected.